0: This episode of the FitCast is brought to you by Pedestal Footwear. They've engineered the ultimate sock so you get the benefits of barefoot training and you get the great gripping of a shoe all in this fantastic sock that they put together. Check them out at PedestalFootwear.com. Oh, and one more thing. Listeners of this episode can get $50 off Mike's Functional Strength Coach 6. This is an exclusive offer for the FitCast audience. If you go to FitCast.network, there's a link for it in the show notes. You can get it digitally or via DVD. Check it out at FitCast.network. Welcome back to the FitCast. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and my guest for this episode is someone who you've heard on this show a bunch, someone who's been a major part of my life and my career, and it is great to talk to him once again on that sh- this show, I should say. That's Mike Boyle. Mike, how are you doing?
1: I am doing excellent, Kevin. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm doing great, and it's always weird to talk to you on this show because uh, I run into the problem where you run into the same problem that we have with uh, our staff at our gym, where I kind of can't remember what we've talked about on this show or what has just come up at the staff meetings or at the gym. So thankfully, the audience came through and had a lot of great questions and topics to jump off of. But the first thing that I always like to talk to you about on this show, uh, because it's something that we don't get to talk about uh, a lot at the gym, is... With with like basically been twelve months, eighteen months since I last had you on the show, and a lot of things do change at our facility. The program evolves over time and we're getting into the summer session once again. So that is usually an opportunity for the the program to evolve because we have a new kind of roster of people that are coming into the gym and it's a new chance to test some things out. So I was kind of curious to get your thoughts on on where your head is at in terms of programming as we get ready for the summer session for the, the athlete program.
1: It's funny when you ask that because I always feel like it doesn't change very much. And then as we go through the conversation, I realize that it's probably changing more than I think it is. I think if we're thinking about things that are going to change one At least, probably with our elite athletes, our better high school, college, pro kids, I think we are going to experiment with a little bit more monitoring Mm -hmm. in terms of trying to get some a more formalized feedback. I was just actually sitting with a rugby strength and conditioning coach from England this morning, who's in visiting, and I said, "So much of our monitoring is done in a more social way. How you feeling?" knowing the kids and saying, okay, how's your leg, how's your shoulder, how's your back, whatever it is, that that might be that kid's particular problem. But I do think we're going to try to formalize that process a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I think obviously we played with some potential changes to the warm-up looking at some of these flow warm-ups that have become popular. I think that's kind of a a nice idea. And I think, again, we'll try that with some of our better athletes and see if we think that it works. And then I would not be surprised to see that maybe trickle into – the third or fourth phase of the summer as we're playing with some of those things. I think we're going to try that complex phase that we haven't tried. I think last summer was the first time we tried it with the athletes, and it was extremely popular. The athletes like the idea of complex training. They like the idea of combining a strength exercise with a power exercise. Mm -hmm. So I think that will, again, probably comprise our third phase of the summer So that's not really a change from last summer, but I think it's a change from where we've been in the past. Uh, The other things, obviously we're playing around a little bit with some facility modifications. We're adding a couple more Kaiser pieces, which will hopefully smooth out the operation a little bit. We rearranged the gym a little bit for the same reason, trying to move the kettlebells to another end and just to get things where I think we're always trying for that perfect logistical smoothness Mm -hmm. that we never achieve. We're experimenting or not experimenting. We're trying to be much more strict about the group sizes because I think what happened to us last summer is we had uh, way too much overlap. The biggest thing, and I think people who don't know our business now, our adult business is so good. And in the past, our adult business for whatever reason tended to dry up in the summer But as our adult group training business has gotten better and better, that's not happening anymore. So we're also trying to figure out, okay, how do we smooth out? We've got designated adult times in the morning for the first time. Last year I think we thought, oh, we'll have a small group of adults and we'll just kind of overlap them in with the athletes. And that didn't work very well in my mind. It it created it created a little bit of overcrowding and it also created that sensation of the adults thinking, Oh, we just get shoved aside when the kids come in the summer. Mm. So we're gonna have an eight o'clock group, we're gonna have a nine o'clock adult group. So Uh, And there'll be dedicated times where there won't be a slot for athletes at that time. So I guess, as I said, there's lots of little changes and tweaks and nothing I don't think that I would look at and think, wow, this is a really big kind of fundamental shift for us.
0: Uh, What are you going to be using for the the monitoring? And also uh, along with that, what – what line is kind of being drawn what what athletes are you going to be monitoring and you know i know some people are going to hear this and they they get those monitoring systems and they just want to go across the board where where are you drawing the line
1: we're going to draw the line basically i think from our elite high school kid our elite high school hockey football kid and then above so those kids college kids pros so we're looking at – I think we, we're we going to start with about 100 athletes with this Coach Me Plus system. I'm hoping this is what's going to happen. I still haven't finalized all of the logistics yet, but that seems to be the direction that we're going to go in. And it's pretty cool because I'm hoping that people will embrace it. If you, It's kind of like the heart rate monitor system that we have now where the people that have embraced it have really embraced it. But it hasn't been – adopted by as many people as I expected it to be. So it will be interesting to see if the coach me plus thing is the same thing. How are the kids with filling out their questionnaires? Will they get up in the morning? Because the way that it will work is the coach designated for that group. So if it's my group, I've got the pro guys say with Ken, we should be getting questionnaires in the morning that are going to red flag stuff for us saying that Kevin's got a sore shoulder. Kevin's right knee hurts. Kevin's blow back hurts. And we should have that information kind of in our inbox before our group gets going in the morning, if these guys actually get up and do what they're supposed to do. So as with everything, I think it's always an experiment. It's always a work in progress.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you bring that up because one thing that I do with my groups uh, every time when I, when I start the session is always ask, you know, try to get that update, try to get that verbal interaction and see, Hey, what's going on? What, what injuries popped up over the last 48 hours or over the weekend, if you had games and things like that, and still, uh, I I run into the problem where even asking those questions, I have you know someone forty five minutes into the training session is like my knee hurts. Oh, what did your knee start hurting? No, my knee's been hurting you know since last weekend. And um, my guess, I guess my question is for for this is, um, are, are you worried about buy in with those athletes? So those athletes being honest or or I guess you know putting in the extra work to do the monitoring. Hmm.
1: I'm sorry. I'm. I'm actually chewing a little bit <laughs> while I talk. I apologize. I'm starving. Um, I was trying to do that quietly, but it didn't work very well. Um, <laughs> if you'd only talked for 10 more seconds, I would have been fine. Um, I am worried about it, and that's why I think it is an experiment, and it's, I think, a relatively inexpensive experiment. We are going to have to pay for access to Coach Me Plus to be able to do this, mm-hmm. but I think with anything that you're going to do that you'd see as an improvement to the program— there's going to be a little bit of expense involved and there's going to be a little bit of experimentation involved, as you said, buy-in. Okay, Do we are we going to get buy-in? Are we going to get kids who are really embracing this and think this is really cool? The one thing I think, because it's smartphone, I'm thinking the kids will engage because they're on their phones constantly. At least my kids are. So I'm hoping that that will be, I think if it was something where they had to, fill out a piece of paper and bring it with them, Yeah, we'd be in big trouble. But where it's going to be an app on their phone where they can go on the phone and they can kind of click on whatever body part and click through their questionnaire and do all that stuff, I think, uh, and and we're going to try to strip it down, make it pretty simple so it's not going to be really time-consuming for them. So I think it'll work, but who knows?
0: Yeah, I think across the board, having something like that, we, we have these uh, goal sheets and we have these nutrition sheets and the... I guess the, the number one issue with those is that you know they bring them home and they may even have records of what they had for breakfast or whatever, but then it's always the extra step of having to bring it back in. If all that stuff was on their phone, they would always have it with them.
1: Exactly, and, I, and paper is going the way of the dinosaur, at least with yeah. this generation. Yeah, the, for sure. They're not, they're not paper people. They're clearly, even never mind talking, my, fa- my son talks to his phone. Set set the alarm for this. He's got Siri. He doesn't even touch it. He's holding it in his hand and he just talks to it. Set the alarm for 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, well, you know, look up, Google this. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to watch the kids evolving. Obviously, in my situation, having uh, an 11-year-old and a 16-year-old, you get to kind of see what's really trending. And so I think a, a smartphone app is going to be the way to go.
0: Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the flow and the movement, because that's something that came up in our staff meeting this week. And, um, and, you know, there, there's some influence from, from incredibly strong man, Max Shank. But, uh, I guess I want to ask you, you know, why is this a time to start implementing this? And, uh, the thing that, the thing that has popped up in the past is that athletes do get bored. Like they get bored with the warm up and, uh the I guess when that discussion has always come up when I brought it up with other coaches, like, well, who cares? Like if they're bored, they're bored. They are they need to be doing the warm up. They need to be be doing what they need to do to get ready for the event um or for the for the session. So why now?
1: Um you know, I, I think it really is just more a matter of this stuff started popping up on the screen a little bit and uh and you start looking at it, I think much In the way that um, PRI kind of popped up, Hmm. I feel like if you keep seeing things over and over again, you start to say, okay, uh, I need to at least think about this. And so I started watching some of these and I said, this is pretty interesting because I think for our athletes – The – I'm trying to find this guy's name. Actually, I'm Googling it. It uh, it was on breaking muscle and I couldn't get breaking muscle the other day. But um, I think they do get bored easily. And we have – I've been very consistently looking for something that we could do from a warm-up standpoint that would be different Mm -hmm. than what we do right now. Because if you really look at our warm-ups, we've probably – with the exception of changing some of the stretches, we've done very similar things for a pretty long time. And the kind of result of that is, yeah, there's some people like, as you said, like sometimes you look at it and think, well, who cares? You just keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. And I do think that's, that's okay. And I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't say that it's a bad thing, but I would say again, and I think it's more for these kind of elite groups, kids that have been there for a long time, I think you want them to see, like we did last year with the heart rate monitoring and these things, you want them to see things changing and things being more innovative and not always coming back and thinking, oh, we do the same thing every year that we did before. Mm -hmm. Even though I think sometimes as we're developing the program, I always think, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But if there are ways that we can make these small changes and Have there be a little bit of variety built in there for the athlete? I think that's going to be beneficial.
0: Well, it kind of goes, you know, that kind of goes along with another question that I want to talk to you about, which was rep ranges, because this again is something that came up in our staff meeting. We had a big staff meeting leading up into the the summer session to kind of go over the summer program and get the thoughts from from the coaches and just review it. And one of the things that that was brought up was uh, rep ranges. And when you kind of have rep ranges that are too high, the problem that you run into is that the athlete just gets bored. Like even getting into, uh, you know, 10 reps, they, they just get bored. And that's something that made a lot of sense to me. So how how high are we going to be going in terms of our rep ranges? Is this something that we should look at? Maybe working closer into like, you know, the four to eight rep range and anything above that is when we kind of, you know, Have the quality deteriorate?
1: Yeah, and it's funny. I think when you look at it, sometimes um, that's why I tended to stay at eights. And I think it's really interesting because you were in that staff meeting that day. Sometimes things just get away from us a little bit. Yeah. In terms of somebody writes a program and writes in tens, and you think, okay, whatever, ten base phase, you know, a anatomical adaptation, Mm -hmm. whatever somebody wants to call it. Oh, that's all right. But it is interesting. I always used to go with eight because I felt like eight is closer to the strength end of the spectrum than um, ten is. It's two reps closer. And some people might say it's not even worth worrying about. But I do think it's probably a question we should bring up. I think we only have one more uh, staff meeting, unfortunately, before summer starts. But we may need to think about that and realize, okay – that might be something that we need to consider, just shifting everything to eights as Mm -hmm. opposed to tens so that we don't have that kind of boredom, deterioration factor. So, yeah, I think that's why I love the staff meetings. I really do because it's amazing the stuff that people will bring up and then suddenly I'll think, wow, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. And part of my problem is that I've been doing something for so long That there's so much stuff that seems, it's just second nature to me, but it's not to everybody else. And I don't. I give you a really good example. I've been. I wrote something on strengthcoach.com the other day. We were talking about the four jump test that we used to do, and talking about elasticity and how some athletes are more elastic than others, and it's really hard to teach that kind of. I always said. I use the example. It's like the bounciness that Steve Bigelow has or Ken has or Mike Vaughn has. They're really elastic guys. Mm -hmm. And when you look at kind of plyos and how we're doing plyos and is there a way to to make that guy more springy? And one of the guys on Strength Coach said, I really like to use jump rope for that. And right away, I was like, no, I don't like jump rope. That's my, my mental reaction. And then I go back to my start with why idea. And I say, well, why don't I like jump rope? And I'm like, I don't like jump rope because in the 90s at BU, I had a lot of offensive linemen who couldn't jump rope. Mm -hmm. And so you go back to your start with why idea and you think, that's a really shitty why. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't, I'm not using, I've never used jump ropes in 20 years because I had a bunch of less than athletic linemen who weren't good jump ropers. But that kind of prejudiced me against jump rope. So from then on in, whenever anybody says jump rope, I say no. Doesn't work. It slows everything down. And then I started thinking, man, maybe I should start incorporating some jump rope in the warm-up because say let's just as a for instance my pro hockey group or my Olympic girls, they're not going to have trouble jump roping. They'll all be good at jump rope. They'll be mm-hmm. better at jump rope than I am. But I have this kind of built in block Based on my experience, and I think that's something that everybody has, and I have less of them maybe than everybody else, but I still have them.
0: Well, I, I I mean, this is something that um, I was talking with Kevin Carr. We're going to take some time to to review the the middle school program next week, which is it's it's a much more simplified program than what we give to our our high school and our college athletes. It's a two day a week program, and this concept is something that I, I was thinking about when it came to the middle school program as well because. Uh you think high school kids have a short attention span, ten year olds very short attention span. Um and you know, maybe most for the most part, our middle school program has had a ceiling of eight reps. Sometimes there's rep ranges for things like push-ups where we'll say do eight to twelve reps, because before they can progress to a um a lower incline on something like a rack, you know, maybe they can get to twelve before they can go down a little bit and then get back to eight. So it's kind of curious. Um I mean, what do you think in terms of like the middle school program? Because I, you, you won't be at the SAP meeting next week. What well, do you think so about lowering those? this what's interesting. Sorry, yeah.
1: my, my dog is barking. <laughs> I think it's really interesting because so – I'll give you a really good example of that. Yeah. Right? We get in a situation where um, I would say I never want to do low reps with middle school kids. Right. Right? But the reality is if you were doing kind of very technically oriented – sets of three to five, it probably wouldn't be a problem. But again, I think, you know, in my mind, when I think of young kids and I hear three reps, I think of some idiot doing a (laughs) three-hour bench press with a middle school kid. And and then I think of some idiot looking at our program and going, oh, shit, Mike Boyle, Strength and Conditioning. You know, Kevin Larby wrote that program up. They're doing heavy triples with the kids in the bench. (laughs) And you might be looking at it thinking, no, 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 we're not doing that at all. We're trying to get like three perfect reps Mm -hmm. at a load that might be, Eighty percent, something where they could, they could do way more than that. We're just trying to kind of gear ourselves to their attention span. Mm-hmm. And again, you realize, oh, wow. It, it, I guess, makes you understand why you need to understand context and thought process and all of these things sort of when you look at somebody's program, you look at the program and say, okay, here's the sets, here's the reps. I understand what they're trying to do. And then the reality is you might look at it and think, I have no idea what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. because I haven't really talked to them about what they're trying to do. Like, what are you trying to get out of that? And you might, like I said, w- what we're talking about right now makes perfect sense, but I would be afraid to put that down on paper. Right. Because I'd be afraid of what somebody would do with it when they saw it. So it might end up where you say, okay, that sweet spot might be five to six. And we might mm-hmm. just say, hey, we're going to do five or six reps for a lot of the summer with these kids and not go less because now they may be tempted because, again, you think, like, even, again, the kids in your group, especially the younger boys, 13-, 14-year-old boys, if you say three reps, they're thinking one RM. They're thinking max day. Exactly. And, and if we say 10, they're thinking, oh, God, I'm bored. <laughs> so many reps. So I guess, I guess the point is that there's a lot – there's way more that goes into the process of programming mm-hmm. than most people have any idea
0: sure. Um, let's, uh, let's mix in some questions from, from the audience, but I also want to talk to you about the whole idea of start with why, because I mean, you just had the release of functional strength coach six. And I mean, that was the, the subtitle of, of that talk because of how much influence that book had on you. And I guess the way that you look at what we do at Mike Ball strength and conditioning. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit uh, about that thought process.
1: Yeah, I, it's funny because I started reading Start With Why and I didn't even really like it when I started reading it. And then for whatever reason, I you know I have – and you know, we read a lot. You do, I do. I have this, Sometimes our books end up in this pile of, oh, I didn't really like that book. Mm-hmm. And something made me go back and think, I'm finishing this book. I'm going to finish it. I started it. I'm finishing it. And then it took on a whole different life for me in terms of making me think about – why do we do what we do? Because I think we're constantly arguing with people about what we're doing in strength and conditioning, exercise selection, a style of training, all of these things. And start with why seemed to be the perfect frame for that discussion. Let's call it a discussion versus an argument. Mm-hmm. But sitting down and saying, okay, why? Why are you doing what you're doing? If we're going to look at this and whatever this is, whether it's CrossFit or Insanity or Olympic lifting or powerlifting or kettlebells, why? And it really changes things when you sit down there and ask yourself that question. And that's what I did. And I started doing it and applying it, thinking, okay, what I, I feel like we have really strong whys at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning. Our whys are really well thought out. But then I started to realize most of the people that maybe see us talk or come to a CFSC or read an article have no idea about our whys. So that's what I decided in this particular lecture format that I would say, okay, I'm gonna start with why. Why do we why do we stretch? Why do we roll? Because when the people disagree with you, oh you don't you don't need to roll, you don't need to stretch. I mean, why? Why you know, why are you taking that stance? Why am I taking a different stance? Mm-hmm. And it ended up just being a great. Series of lectures you were there, so you have obviously filmed it so you saw the whole thing and I just thought it came out really, really good because we worked through the science exactly of why we've made the decisions that we've made. and then I think in certain cases we talked about why we didn't necessarily side with the science mm-hmm. because I, I think that's a criticism that some people could make of me is that, oh Mike Boyle is all about the science of the research until he's not. And and that's probably true because we do have two – I won't say – I guess somewhat conflicting things going on in the sense that we've got the science, which is saying something, and then we've got a combination of logistics and experience, which might be telling us to do something different. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. When people come and see the facility, when they come and see our summer program – the lights go on, they go, oh, now I know why you do it like this. And you're like, yeah, you understand our why because now you're here and you see the people and you see the volume and suddenly the the light goes on for you in a way that it didn't go on before when you didn't see our situation. Mm-hmm. And in the same way experience-wise, and we talk about this in the staff meeting all the time, I, I, I really struggle with trying to get across – my experience to the staff because I sometimes feel like I sound like this old and I say it I probably say the same things over and over again in the staff meeting, but I sound like the old guy who walked uphill to school both ways in a snowstorm. Because <laughs> I you know what I mean? Like I'm always yeah. saying, oh yeah, but back in the old days we did this and but it's true in the sense and that's why I love talking about Brendan's strength coach podcast that I talked mm-hmm. about the other day in the staff meeting. Brendan, for people who hadn't listened, Brendan Reerick, Went out to California and started experimenting with sort of, oh, I'm going to break the Mike Boyle strength and conditioning rules. <laughs> I'm going to do things that we couldn't do at Mike Boyle strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing that he said in the podcast, I don't know. You had him on FitCast too and he might have said the same thing. I'm not even sure because I didn't hear that episode of, the, of that one. Was that I realized why Mike said don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Mm. Because I tried it and it didn't work. And I just wish, that's one of the things I always talk about. I wish more people would try more things because again, when you look at us, and as I said, I was with this rugby strength coach today, when you look at our stance on unilateral training, we didn't get there because we wanted to do unilateral training. Mm -hmm. We got there because we weren't happy with the results of our bilateral training. We weren't happy with the injury rates that we were seeing that were sort of in weight room incurred, either and let's not call them injuries, let's call them discomforts, but this, the types of things that we were doing in training, the types of things that I was doing in training in the '80s and in the '90s, were yielding a percentage, let's say twenty percent of the athletes with back pain. You know that's that's not a good number. So we started looking for alternatives and and suddenly the alternatives became these unilateral exercises that were going to have less back stress. And I think – so when people look at stuff, again, they don't look at my why. Why am I doing unilateral training? Why am I not a fan? And a lot of times, again, they're not people – you talk about this idea of walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. And if you said to somebody, okay, you've got to be a college strength coach with you and 400 athletes. How are you going to program? You've got to run a business that's going to process 600 athletes. How are you going to run a program? And when you've got someone who either trains themselves or trains, you know, 10 clients at a gym, it's just completely different than what we're trying to do. And then you even think about certification, trying to develop a system and say, okay, we want to have a system for people to be able to follow. You can't have a system that's, well, pick. Pick a lower body exercise. You could pick front squat, back squat, trap bar, deadlift, split squat. That's not a system. Mm -hmm. And so we've developed a system that's really been steeped in this why idea. And I think that's what comes across in the lectures, in the DVD program, is that we really dig into the why. This is why we do what we do. And. I believe at the end of the day, there will be some people that will disagree. But I also believe at the end of the day, if somebody sits and watches that eight hours of DVDs, there'll be more people that kind of come over to our side and think, oh, I get it. I understand exactly why they're doing what they're doing. I'm going to try that. That makes sense. And I think when they do, then they're hooked for life.
0: Well, I think it is, um, it's is—it's very much the stovetop idea with a little kid. You know, You could tell the kid... Stuff top's hot. You're going to burn yourself. And then they kind of don't understand it until they actually touch the burner, burn themselves, and then they understand what you said. Oh,
1: absolutely. that's And we've watched that happen over the last five or six years in the facility with people themselves, with the coaches themselves.
0: Right. Um, and, and even
1: with clients, sometimes, again, people. somebody made, I think Anthony Renner made the comment that, yeah, the only time you can back squat a Mike ball strength conditioning is between – 12 at night and 4 in the morning.
0: (laughs) Hey, everyone. We're going to pause the show just for a second so I can talk to you again about pedestal footwear. And I'm so pumped that they're back for another run because they just make such an incredible product that I would talk about them even if they weren't a sponsor. You know, Brendan and his team over there have put together the ultimate sock. You're getting the benefits of barefoot training, plus you're also getting the grippiness of a shoe. It's the ultimate training footwear For those of us that want to get those benefits, but we also don't want to, A, have gross feet all over the gym, and B, we want to actually be able to grip the floor if we do things like lateral movement or we're just kind of moving around the gym. The last thing that you want to do is slip under load. That's going to be terrible for you. So what they did is you know, have this mindset where we want to make the best sock we possibly could. And again, you want to get the best of both worlds. And they did that. And they also made sure that they made it durable. So these things are going to last. They're also silver treated. So you don't need to wash them after every session. They recommend like after every three or four sessions, throw them in the wash and you're going to be good to go. So, As I mentioned before on this show, I am a huge fan of these. And even at MBSC, like Mike got a pair, like we our whole staff got pairs of them, and everyone's been wearing them all the time. We we absolutely love them. So I think that you owe it to yourself. And as a as a listener, someone that's listening to this show, it shows that you actually really do love what you do in the gym. You gotta treat your feet with the respect that they deserve. All right. So I want you to go to pedestalfootwear.com and check out the socks that they offer. I promise that if you go and pick up a pair or two, you're going to be like, yep, okay. I, this is how I have to train. This is, I I mean, it, it's like a done deal. And that's how I have been since I got them. So go and check them out at pedestoolfootwear.com. And thank you so much to them for supporting this show. So I hope you guys show it in return and support them as well. Let's get back to the show with Mike. And I, I mean, personally, I mean, I, I joined the gym back in 2009, and I was coming from Eric Crest's place. And I was, when I joined NBSC, I was still, you know, I still had it in my head. You know, I understand it. Mike Boyle likes the single leg training stuff, but I'm still going to front squat. I'm still going to back squat and do what I thought was right, because that is kind of what, that's all I knew. And it took me, it probably took me a year to buy into the program and to, to understand, oh, okay, this is why, this is why single leg training is that much more effective. And it's also going to be a much safer way for us to train the lower body. And it, you know, again, Eric Cressy, amazing coach, amazing facility that they have over there. This is a different way of doing things. And it it took me a while to, to have that, that buy-in. And I haven't looked back ever since. Um, and it's, like what you're saying Mike you have all this experience you have over thirty years of experience you've been in the weight rooms you've dealt with the football players the hockey players with low back pain from loading in terms of uh, you know the barbell back squat and this is why we do this stuff it's not again just because hey you know this might be a cool way to uh to to put things and it's it's been so much more effective for us that like Mike I don't know if you can talk a little bit about injuries but I can't remember the last time that we've had an injury in our facility. I can't even remember at all.
1: No, exactly. And that's, again, and that's what I think is really interesting, and I always laugh. I, You'd probably be able to help me with this someday, but I need to make a list of the go-heavier, go-home guys who are now <laughs> mobility guys, because it's a pretty extensive yeah. list yeah. of people probably who've been guests on your show who, when they first started out, snickered at people like me. For sure. And then over the, then suddenly you start hearing, well, oh yeah, he's got seven bulging discs in his back, mm-hmm. and his feet are numb, and he's gonna have a spinal surgery, and and all of a sudden that guy's coming around, you know, preaching the the mobility ma- mantra and saying, oh yeah, you know, I do all unilateral training now, and I do a lot of hip mobility, and you're like, don't you remember your interview where you were go heavy or go home, and everybody's a, <laughs> a pussy if they don't back squat, and your back's supposed to hurt. and I mean It's amazing the inane things that people say mm. when they're young. Like you said, it's like the kid putting his hand on the stove. Because I was that kid. That's what people forget. At, I'm 56 years old, but I was 18 once. And I was a power lifter, and I was the go-heavier-go-home guy, and I was the guy who thought, yeah, your back's supposed to hurt all week. Hopefully it feels better by squat day on Monday. But after Monday, from Monday through till the following Monday, you're probably going to be a little achy walking around. That's part of the deal. And I think about that now and think that is just
0: moronic. Mm, Totally.
1: But I had no sounding board and the people that I was, I was reading Powerlifting USA and Muscle and Fitness and Strength and Health and everybody else was singing the same song. And that's what everybody thought strength training was about. Hey, you lift heavy weights and Unfortunately, heavy weights going to make you hurt, make you sore. Get your ice out, get your Advil out, do your take care of your injuries during the week after you get your heavy lift in. <laughs> I think about that nothing. That is so stupid. <laughs> How about if we just try to figure out a way to lift heavy without getting hurt? Wouldn't that be better? But that's what we've done and people still there are still people snickering and they are usually younger and as people get older it's funny Mladin I don't know if Jovanovic, I think is how you say Milad's last name. And he was an intern for us. And he's become a really good internet president with his breaking muscle. Not breaking muscle. I forget what his – what's his called? Oh, my God. Um,
0: Complimentary Training is his.
1: Complimentary Training Blogspot. But he sent me a thing the other day, a a tweet or a Facebook message or something. He said, it's amazing how much more I am like you. And you told me during my internship that this would happen, Mm -hmm. that over time you'd realize that you're going to think like me. And here I am, whatever, five years, six years after his internship, realizing I think much more like you now than I did then. And I think there's a lot of guys that way, that you start to realize that, as I've said in many staff meetings before, when you go out to eat or you go out to talk to people, no one cares how much you bench. No one cares what your back squat is. That's just a conversation among meatheads at the gym and the rest of the world really doesn't give a shit. And there's nobody in sports who cares. They care how you can play. And nobody's signing anybody thinking, oh, I love this kid. He's an 800 back squatter. <laughs> they're they're going to look at you and think no matter what sport, can you play?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're trying to develop programs that keep people healthy and really directly impact their ability to play.
0: Back in 2011, it was April 2011, I believe that you posted the evolution of a strength coach piece. Um, do, you, do you think that is just a process that every coach needs to go through? Is that something that is just unskippable? I mean, we've been able to see it in some cases when we get interns at our facility early, we can kind of bypass that stuff with early buy-in. But do you think that is just something that most strength coaches still need to to go through all those stages?
1: I hope not. I really hope that people will learn faster and better, and I think some people are. But yes, I do think there's a certain percentage of people who are going to have to go through that process. Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping that with the kind of information that we've been putting out year in and year out, that we can maybe shorten the time. And I do think with better internships and some of these things being better, that we can decrease some of these things. But who knows? It's, I think there's always going to be again because if you look, Kevin Carr is a great example. Kevin's a really smart kid. I was becoming an amazing coach, lecturer, mm-hmm. therapist, body worker, but he went through the you know I'm going to compete in a powerlifting meet <laughs> stage and ended up crawling around on his floor. I tease him about it all the time. Yeah, but here's a guy who's as smart as anybody that I know, and has been as successful as anybody that I know at that age, and yet he still kind of ended up in the same spot that a lot of these guys do. You just hope that. It doesn't take as long, and that people learn sort of okay, one time, one exposure. All right, I got hurt. I, I get it now. Because there are going to be, and people who listen to this don't know Steve Bunker, but there are the Steve Bunkers of the world who have, he's got an iron back. He's been going to powerlifting meets for 40 years, mm-hmm. and he doesn't get hurt. And I always think he's the guy who screws it up for everybody else. He's like the guy in pro sports, <laughs> oh, I don't lift weights, you know, the John Daly golfing. I smoke cigars. I drink, and I still like drive it further than everybody else. There's always going to be those guys mm-hmm. who do everything wrong, and yet are still really good at whatever it is we're talking about. But as I talk about quite frequently, I always think we need to program much more for the rule than for the exception.
0: Exactly. Yeah, he is. He is the definition of the strength coach outlier, Steve Bunker. Um, yeah, he's going to be. That's- he's going to be back squatting at eighty.
1: More than likely.
0: <laughs> um, let's mix in some questions uh, from the audience. Uh, Rick Aronofsky wanted to ask about suggestions that you have for, for golfers over 50 to you know, maintain their performance or potentially improve it. What have they got to work on?
1: Uh, golfers over 50, uh, it's funny. I just had a guy ask me this question the other day on strengthcoach.com, and I posted it. And he put it. It was really great. I get really tight after I hit the weights. Mm-hmm. And I thought – that and I said, post that for me, will you? Because it was the perfect description. I think the guy over 50 is a guy like me who probably has a very limited education in strength and conditioning. And his idea of lifting weights is probably going to a weight room and doing some sort of upper body routine that would look like something out of education of a bodybuilder in the 70s, out of the old Arnold book. Mm-hmm. And then he wonders why that doesn't help his golf swing. So – When you've got that golfer over 50, you've got to be thinking about things like, all right, mobility first, warm-up, foam rolling, preparatory stuff. I think for me over 50, I spend twice as much time getting ready to work out as I do work out, maybe four times as much time to be honest. I could spend 20 minutes getting ready to lift and go in and lift for five minutes. (laughs) And so I think that's what that over 50 guy's got to look at and realize that the number one thing you probably need to do as an over 50 golfer is undo the last 20 or 30 years of sitting on your ass and realizing that you've lost mobility. Most of those over 50 golfers don't have really good hip mobility. They're not able to rotate. They can't do anything like what the tour golfer is going to look like. Mm -hmm. So um, I just think it's a matter of you get on a good program. You go to a place like – like Anthony's Five Iron Fitness, or you come to a place like Mike Boyle, Strength Michigan and say, hey, I, I want to get better for golf. And you realize that all of the little stuff that you would never do on your own, you would never as a 50-year-old golfer walk into a Gold's gym, a chain store gym and grab the foam roller and sit down and start foam rolling all your sore spots and then sit down and spend some time doing some static stretching and some mobility work and then go in and think now I've got to do some unilateral lower body strength training you'd do what every guy does you'd walk in you'd go to the bench you'd slap some plates in the bar you'd do a couple bench presses you'd do a couple curls you'd look at yourself in the mirror and you go sit on the exercise bike and then you look and say oh yeah I've been lifting for golf and it hasn't helped any so I think that's what we've got to look at is realize that it's a process and you've got to find somebody that understands the process and can help you and work through that process.
0: Jeff had a very interesting question. Um, He wanted to know something uh, that you'd still like to accomplish in your career. What do do you think of in in terms of accomplishments that you still want to hit?
1: That's a pretty interesting question. The only thing I really want to accomplish right now in my career is to raise two wonderful kids, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. or And I guess I, I could probably amend that. No, I think what I really want to accomplish is, I, and we've talked about this a lot, you've been in these talks, I want to make myself completely obsolete and inconsequential. <laughs> that would be a great accomplishment for me when people will look and think that That Kevin Laraby's and Brendan Reericks and Marco Sanchez's and Kevin Cars and Ken Whittier's and Steve Bigelow's and all these guys can go out and do Mike Boyle's job right now, and no one knows that Mike Boyle's even not there. That would be perfect because I I always use the same kind of tired analogies, but I always think when someone goes to buy a a Sony TV, they're not worried about meeting Mister Sony. Right? They're pretty comfortable that Sony's a solid brand and that they know they're going to get a pretty good piece. I am going to hope that through the things that we've done, MBSC and CFSC and all these other things that we're doing, that eventually people will – and I think we're getting there. People, It's almost kind of funny. People will meet me and be like, oh, you're a real person. That's so cool. So I think that is – so I would look at that and think that's – the really big accomplishment is to completely eliminate yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that would be, I think, the last thing that I'd like to do is – eliminate myself and be this like, and I am like in Reading where I live, I'm just sort of this anonymous dad. I would guarantee that 99% of the people that I know in my town have no idea what I do. I own some people are shocked when they come in and see the size of the gym. They're like, Oh, I thought you owned a little gym. I'm like, well, I own a gym. I don't know if it's little, but, but they're not expecting to see what they see when they kind of get to the end of that street in Woburn and they walk in and they're like, Oh, I had no idea. And I think in a lot of ways, that's good. I'm glad you had no idea because I wasn't really trying to give you an idea. Just trying to blend in.
0: Maybe going off of that, um, another question, uh, again from Jeff. Um, What do you do to continue to grow your business? What, What do you focus on to make sure that there's continued growth?
1: I think the biggest thing that you do to again it kind of goes back like you said to the same thing. The biggest way for me to grow my business is for me to be a better coach of coaches. For me to realize that what I'm doing on the floor is not all that relevant, mm-hmm. but what I'm doing whether it's, you know, the individual meetings that I have with you or with Kevin or with Ken or with, you know, Steve is what's really important in terms of because we've been able to do something that I really think is unprecedented in the industry in the sense that we've been able to continue to build this business, to branch it off into a bunch of different areas, different, we've got online stuff, we've got certifications. And we've done it pretty much without enemies because we've done it right. We haven't screwed anybody. We haven't tried to, to, to bring anybody down to bring ourselves up. Mm-hmm. And so I would look at that and think that that's, that's the the value of what we're doing now is that we're building this business in a bunch of different areas. We've been really smart, one of the things. So I was smart. I hired you. Why did I hire you? I hired you primarily because you had technical skills that other people didn't have. And I remember saying to Bob, I want to hire him because there's a lot of stuff he can do that we need and that we're going to need as we go forward in terms of podcasting and videoing and all these things. And yeah, you were a good coach. You were a good trainer. that we, we knew all that. But it was that ability to look at the future and realize that the future of our business isn't probably more Mike Boyle strength and conditionings, but it was in a lot of this kind of education area, online area, a lot of the things that we've been able to branch into. Mm-hmm. And then it's the same way with like someone like Kevin Carr. Kevin Carr was not as good a speaker two years ago as he is right now. But by continuing to get him opportunities to speak, he continues to get better and better to the point where you could go now, Germany, people are as happy to see Kevin come as they are me. Right. And I look at that and think, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to have happen. So I think you grow your business by getting really good people, by creating one of the things, obviously, people who don't know us know, we create partnerships with you guys. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not a situation you're you're not an employee in some of the situations that you're in right now you're you're an owner so if these things prosper, you get a much better percentage It's not a situation where everybody's looking and thinking yeah all that ever happens is Mike Boyle makes more money
2: hmm.
1: when Mike Boyle makes more money, so do a lot of other people and so I think that's one of the things and I talk to people about that all the time that's really important as you seek To develop businesses and not have to operate them yourself all the time, you've got to give people some stake in it because you look at it and think like you – you're as proud and as invested in CFSC – I was going to say as I am. That's a lie. You're way more (laughs) than I am and yet it was kind of I guess initially, theoretically, it was my project, right? But it's not. It's your project. It's Kevin's project, it's Brendan's project, and now even Marco and some of the other guys you know, are really heavily invested in this process personally so that this is really good. That's the way you build something that's going to keep getting better and be really sustainable.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about that uh, for a second because it is something that we've been doing for, for almost two years now. Uh, coming up on October will be our, our two-year anniversary, and we've certified uh, close to 1,000 people. Now, across the world, and uh, you 're right I mean I think the the thing for me i 've been I feel like I am as much a part of mike Ball's strength and conditioning as as you are as Bob is your business partner, and that that is something that is incredibly valuable for for me as someone that that works there i 'm number one number one advocate, number one defender, number one in terms of you know making sure that we 're constantly trying to get better and We've done the same thing with the certification where we've – if anyone's ever seen your stuff, Mike, or anyone's ever been to our facility, you, you'll kind of notice that, no, these aren't guys that are just trying to to make the maximum amount of profit. It is – especially with the certification, it's about the impact that we're able to have on the industry by you know helping some coaches that can then go home and then help everyone that they train. The reach that you could possibly have or the reach that you can have uh, with the certification is just – astronomical. And uh, we've been very lucky to have been doing these over the last couple of years. And we're now going back to the Perform Better Summits in Orlando, in Chicago, in Providence, and in Long Beach as part of the pre-conference on Thursdays. And we're going to be starting those at 10 a.m. And we're going to be offering those for people that are part of the Perform Better Summit. So you must be registered for that. But if you do want to come and get certified, see what we have going on. And like I said, we've certified close to a thousand people. We've had close to no negative feedback. The feedback that we've gotten has been things like, you know, Hey, we wish you guys brought some snacks or you had some water. And we've been trying to do that in the future. But, uh, I fully believe in terms of the educational content and what people get out of the events is, is way more valuable than, than what we, we do charge. And if you talk to anyone that has been certified or been to one of the events, I guarantee they're going to tell you the same. So, um, Mike, I don't. know, I, are you, I know you're going to uh, a couple of the Perform Better Summits. What's your lineup for this summer?
1: I am not going to Long Beach. So I am going to Orlando. I am going to Providence, and I am going to Chicago. So I'll be at all of those. I won't be at the certification for Orlando because I'm going to be in Colorado with our women's Olympic ice hockey team, and I get in Friday night and lecture on Saturday in Orlando. And then hopefully Providence and uh, Chicago I'll make it in early enough to be able to uh, – to be at those certification events. But you're right. I think when people look, one of the things I think that we've been really good about is that it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. And again, that's one of the, I think people who don't know me a lot of times will accuse me of, you're you're always doing something, you're always trying to make money. And I said it in the Functional Strength Coach 6, uh, we're all about improving the industry. And Mm -hmm. if we make, I don't think there's anything wrong with making money. It's the basic thing that most everybody in the world is trying to do. Everybody's trying to make a living. Everybody's trying to pay for their house, get a car, pay for their kids to go to college, whatever it is. That's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. But if you can do it in such a way that you really are providing a service, and I think that's – whether it's our training at Mike Boyle's training, the conditioning, whether it's a CFSC, we don't have dissatisfied customers. If we did, we would work to make them satisfied mm-hmm. because that's ultimately when you think long term – that's what makes a great business. When In 08, when the economy was bad, our accountant came to Bob and was like, what are you guys doing? He, he said, you know, I handle 40 businesses. You're the only business that's up this year. And I remember looking at Bob and thinking, if if offering a good product at a reasonable price and treating your customers well represents some sort of business brilliance, then we are in fact brilliant. <laughs> but, I would struggle to look at that and really think that that's business brilliance. I would think that, but then I look at the number of businesses that don't make it, mm-hmm. and I look at how people deal with customers. I look at customer service. My wife called a lawyer yesterday about something, had to ask a question, and the lawyer yelled at her on the phone. I have no idea what you're talking about. What are you? About? And and we were going to ask the lawyer to do something for us, for which we were going to pay her. Mm-hmm. And I said to my wife, "Well." call the person, you know, call the guy who recommended that lawyer and say, we want a different lawyer. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving her any money. Why would I give money to somebody who's going to yell at us on the phone when all we're trying to do is ask a question? And it was a real estate related thing. It's not a big deal, but it's just the level of customer service sometimes that you encounter is horrifying. That's why, again, our book club, you know, what are we reading right now? We're reading a Disney book Mm -hmm. because that was, I was looking at, the comments. You know, what book are you currently reading? I'm currently reading uh, Lessons from the Mouse because we're in a bunch of service businesses and the better we can be at those service businesses, the more money we're going to make. That's reality. That's why Disney is so successful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think and with with staff training, with choosing staff, there's just so much of it, it always keeps coming back to the same thing over and over again and We've, anybody who's a Body by Boyle online member and watches the staff meetings probably again realizes that, is that it always keeps coming back to this hire really good people. Give the people that pay you money a really good experience. Give them really good value for their dollar. You're going to be okay. You're going to make money. I think when I watch most people's businesses, I really think most people are idiots. And I hate to say that. But I'm amazed at the number of people who struggle in business and then you watch how they operate their business and think, well, of course they're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. They don't have the slightest concept of what they're supposed to be doing because, again, in any business, I don't care whether you're running a restaurant, whether you're running a gym, whether you're running a dry cleaner, whether you're running a gas station. Service, right? Somebody's coming in there. Somebody's paying you. They're paying you money versus paying somebody else money. We don't have any monopoly on training. Exactly. And we don't have any monopoly on certification. We don't have any monopoly on anything. People are coming for a specific reason and we need to understand that they have a choice. They can choose to give us their money or they can choose to give it to somebody else. And we have to understand that part and we have to work really hard to you know, people talk I think they talk, it's very cliche, but talking about earning somebody's business. You guys went out to Um, Utah last weekend, you earned us more business. Mm -hmm. You killed the certification and the people have already called back and said, we want to certify more people because this was really good. So we went out and earned more business. We We don't have to market to get that business because we got the first piece and then we earned the next piece. And we will continue as a company to, I think, prosper because of this really strong word of mouth that we continue to generate in a whole bunch of different areas. So we're not in a situation where we're generating great word of mouth just in one place. And as you know, from the way we meet as a staff, if we weren't, we would be dealing with that. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. If we found that, okay, we're having customer service problems, we've got unhappy people. Okay, let's deal with that. Let's figure that out. Why do we have unhappy people?
0: And I always, when people talk to me about it, uh, there there isn't anything that I'm more proud of in in my career than than what we've been able to do with the certification. Because, uh, again, it's been the feedback that we've gotten, and we were able to look at all the other certifications out there and see what we think they were doing wrong and what we would do to kind of make that right. And we've been able to evolve it over the last few years. And we do things like we update our content and we give it to the people that are certified for free. Like we don't charge you every year for updated content. We just give it to you because like that's something I can be proud of to be a part of. And that's something that all of our CFSCs are proud of to be, to be a part of. So um, again, I hope people can go Check out the website, certifiedfsc.com, and see what we have coming up in terms of events. The summer is very busy with the Perform Better Summits. And we're also, like Mike said, going back to Utah. So we have a lot of the summer eaten up in terms of time. We're going to be in Dubai this summer as well. And then when we get to the the fall, we're going to be doing a bunch more events throughout United States, back in Germany, again, this summer as well. So uh, check out CertifiedFSC.com for all that. But uh, Mike also mentioned uh, Body Bible Online, where we have a service where you can get access to all of our staff meetings, our summer program, all of our programming. We have passed 250 hours of educational video from in-services from, from Dan John, Charlie Weingroff, uh, Sue Falcone just people that are constantly coming in and educating our staff. It's like you're a staff member ourselves. And of course, don't forget strengthcoach.com where, Mike, you've been able to grow an incredible community of coaches and information where they, I mean, the, the amount of people that anyone who is a member has access to is, is just crazy. And you guys have just continued to make that place the like one-stop shop for strength coaches to get, get feedback and to, to have great discussions.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it's all amazing stuff. And I, I love the strengthcoach.com thing because it's very – it's easy, it's affordable, and it is amazing. I always say to people that you can go on there. And, and But again, it's about relationships because when you look at the relationships that I've made over the course of my career, whether it's Alan Cosgrove or Charlie Weingroff or Patrick Ward or people – you know or Devin O'Connell or any of these guys that are on the site on a very consistent basis or the people that come in for Body by Blood Online and do free lectures, we get stuff for free. That other people are dying to pay for and can't. Mm -hmm. And they come to our place, but it's because, and, and I always think, it's because at some point I did something nice for those people. And in return, they're coming back and they want to do something nice for us. And that something nice, it's like. You guys, you know, you go to Dan John's house. I mean, how many people are going to Utah and going to Dan John's house and <laughs> eating steaks and hanging out before they go do their certification? I mean, we we get to do some pretty cool stuff, mm-hmm. but it's because I think we've always put the relationship first. And if you place the relationship ahead of the money, I be- really firmly believe that the money comes better and faster. And I think most people get it wrong because they're. They think it's all about money and it's really not all about money. It's a situation where it's about relationships and if you create great relationships, then those things are going to lead to other great relationships and they're going to lead to great opportunities and you're going to end up in a situation where business gets
0: better. And uh, also, I mean, that that reminded me. Uh, Lee Burton was in a couple weeks ago and did seven hours of in service. Seven. He came and talked with our staff for seven hours, showing us the, kind of some of the updates that they're thinking of for the FMS, where their mindset is at in 2016. And again, uh, you know, incredibly generous, and it, it is part of the the relationships that Mike has uh, built up. I have to also mention, if you're listening to this, that means you're like podcasts. So I want you to also go to strengthcoachpodcast.com. Anthony Renna has done an incredible job over the years putting together just a ridiculous lineup of interviews and in podcasts. You get to hear Mike on there every single week. And uh, if you're, again, listen to this, you like podcasts, you want to get better in the industry use that as an opportunity to add this podcast to your podcast application or just listen to them online. Again, it's strengthcoachpodcast.com or just search for that, the Strength Coach Podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcasting feed or whatever to grab all that stuff. Well, Mike, it's been great. It's a a weird thing to talk to you on these podcasts, but it's always kind of cool and different to to talk about this stuff. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to do it.
1: No problem. Thank you. It's funny. It's probably the only time we get to talk for an hour straight, so it's good.
0: Oh, and wait, I forgot because this part of the reason why we're doing this is uh, Pat Beeth has been very nice. He's helping with the promotion of Functional Strength Coach 6. So this is a, we almost forgot to talk about this. This is a, this is a DVD series that um, is part of a seminar that we filmed, what was it, in October that we were down to perform better?
1: I think so, yeah. I don't okay. even remember, but I think it was October or November. Okay, <laughs> Could so, even have been December. Could have been the first week of December, actually.
0: Oh, man, yeah. Either okay. way. Um, we, we had, uh, it's six DVDs, and again, Mike was talking about the idea of start with why, and n- there hasn't been a better talk that I've seen where Mike has really broken down what we do at NBSC, the thought process we that we have for all of our programming. Go and uh, check that out. And there was a fifty percent, uh, excuse me, fifty dollars off discount when it launched. People are going to hear this a couple weeks later, but don't worry. Pat has been awesome, and he's allowed me to offer that same fifty dollars off to the ass audience through going to Network. click on the show notes for this episode, and then you'll see a link in there. So you can still get that $50 off if you want to pick this up. And like Mike said, I was there. I'm a little biased, but again, I don't think there's been um, a better event where Mike has really gone through this stuff and broken it down and explained why we do what we do and how we do it. Uh, so go and check that out. It's a great package. And again, for you know 150 bucks, it's There's no better opportunity to get some great education in your house digitally or via DVD. Uh, So go and check that out. So uh, again, Mike, thank you for for the time and uh, I will see you in the gym.
1: All right. Thanks, Kev. I'll see you soon.